Hey there, and welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Denise Lee, and I'm a life coach specializing in trauma and addictions. And today, I want to continue our discussion about mastering your self-care. And last time, I talked about an overview of self-care, but today, we're going to be talking about knowing yourself. For so many of us, we have been going on autopilot, not trusting or feeling or embracing how we feel, and wondering why we feel so upset and anxious and worried and afraid. Well, if that's the case, you are in safe hands today. We're going to be talking about how you can know yourself on a deeper level so that you can be able to anticipate when your body can react negatively to circumstances and how to take care of it in a nurturing and affirming way. So we're going to talk all about that coming to you after this short break. Hey, 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 and we're back. So glad that you are choosing to spend your time with me today. If this is your very first time listening, welcome, welcome. Giving you a big old electronic hug. So glad that you're here. Make sure you hit that follow subscribe button. That way, as soon as I drop a new episode, you'll be able to listen to it lickety split. And those of you guys, my homies that have been with me for more than one episode. I want to thank you in advance for sharing this podcast with other people. That way we can spread the message. That way we can have less confusion and more clarity and a whole bunch of more love. I want to thank you in advance for writing a review wherever you're listening. That way we can know what you like and we can give more of that to you. And I want to thank you in advance for checking out info.denisetlee.com slash connect where you can learn more about my story. Why am I a life coach specializing in trauma addictions? Why do I do the work that I do? Glad you asked. You can find that out on the about page. You can also check out all of my articles, some resources that may pertain to you. And if you're interested in sending me a voicemail message, excited to hear from you, check out anchor.fm slash Denise G. Lee. There you'll be able to leave me a voicemail message. Make sure that you include either in the beginning or the end of your message, whether or not I have permission to release your message. Also, make sure to include your first name in your hometown and obviously what you've been loving. I love to hear messages. I love to engage with people who interact with me either via voicemail message off also you can contact me via info.denisetlee.com slash connect there's a button where you can send me a message or just just love to hear from you either way works for you okay anyway what we're going to be talking about can be found more in my course amazing attitude amazing attitude is a 21 day program where i do a deep dive via 21 days of audio messages as well as journaling prompts to help you understand yourself in a deeper and a more meaningful manner check out amazing attitude is definitely worth the investment in not just yourself but in what you want to accomplish in your life and because we're going to be talking about something that involves mental health issues i just want to just say in the beginning of this conversation that this podcast does not diagnose mental health conditions nor provides medical advice. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material in this podcast is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a mental or medical condition and before undertaking a new health care regime and please never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeing it because of something that you may have heard from me today okay so let's get into today's conversation as you may recall this is part of a series mastering your self-care 
the last episode, we talked about an overview. And just as a quick reminder, we talked about this idea of trauma on the mind. And what happens when we have gone through lots of trauma, we have a hard time self-regulating ourselves. And I also talked about how our body responds to that and what impacts our, our, our ability to recognize threats and things that disable our, 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 our ability to recognize, oh goodness, I need to take a rest versus, oh goodness, I need to protect myself or whatever. All that got, kind of got all messed up due to the stress and the trauma. And for your reference, I would highly encourage you to look at that prior episode because I don't have the time to go through the overview today. I want to talk about this idea of self-care and respect with knowing yourself. There is an excellent book that's out. It's not a new book, by the way. It's from Claudia Black, who wrote, It'll Never Happen to Me. And it was directed towards children as well as surviving adults of living in an alcohol family. But to be quite frank with you, it doesn't really have to be only for people who grew up in an alcoholic family. The same dynamics still pertain if you grew up in a family where one parent was a workaholic or addicted to any other substance, coke, food, whatever. When I say coke, I mean cocaine, hard substances, or any other type of thing. It's so fascinating. We live, when I say we, I'm talking about the United States, but it could be any modern day world where we have access to so much resources for mental health care, as well as so many other resources about stress management, but yet still we are the most addictive of all the other time frames. And the the reason behind it is because even with all the knowledge, there is still lack of accountability for understanding who you are, how your life, your early childhood years impacted you, and our tendency because of this technology age of looking for quick fixes. You know, I was just telling um, a client of mine earlier today that when I first even began my own recovery journey, I only just wanted to go to recovery meetings. I didn't really want to do any of the work. And when the work meant I didn't want to do anything as of inventorying myself or doing any journaling work or really having any introspection because the feelings were so darn painful. And I didn't want, and when I did journal, it was just almost a blob of all the painful feelings with no sense of introspection, no sense of really understanding why I was feeling it, what my part in the, the game was, when I say the game, the interaction was. And it was almost as if I just was doing verbal diarrhea onto the pages of my journal. And if I had to be honest with you, I... I know I needed to journal things out because there were so much feelings, but there was no sense of really understanding and unpacking the reason behind it. So that's why I created Amazing Attitude because it's not, you're just not just journaling any kind of random things. You're listening to something that's going to be really important on a very specific issue. Then you get the journaling exercises so that you're focused and that you're able to actually seek the clarity that you so desperately desire. So that's why it's so important that as we're working our way out of the muckety-muck of recovering from very dysfunctional, traumatic 
situations from our past and doesn't necessarily have to be from your home. It could be from your job. It could be from whatever. I remember talking with one particular client and she was pitted against her other sister for who was the best achiever in the home in terms of who was achieving more in academics or athletics. And there was no one was ever good enough. And the parents would pit pit each daughter over another. And that created a lot of dysfunction too. So there is no such thing as one type of dysfunction, one type of trauma, one type of situation that has impacted you to the be to the point where knowing who you are and mastering your self-care is very foggy. It's very murky. That's why I want to provide you this resource so that you can be able to understand, okay, this is what I need. This is what matters to me. And this is how I'm going to proceed going from here. So what I like to do is kind of circle back and talk about that book by Claudia Black that she wrote, It'll Never Happen to Me. And one of the three main things that she talks about is don't trust, don't think, don't feel. This is what most children of addictive, alcoholic, dysfunctional families grew up with. And I want to talk about each one and kind of tie it all together because I want to make sure that you have some resources that are really going to help you. So the, let's talk about the don't trust. For a lot of us who grew, who were raised in very dysfunctional environments, one or both parents made tons of promises. I remember when my father originally separated from my mother, he'd promised that on every Saturday he would come and pick me up. And I remember getting dressed and waiting outside the window for hours on end, waiting for my father to come and pick me up. Never happened. It could be from, I've talked with other clients where another parent was promising to take a kid to a, a, a sporting event or take them to school or whatever, and it never happened. They always had to come up with their own plan B, plan C. That's always fine that the most people who have survived have learned to become extremely resourceful because they learn not to trust and they depend on themselves and to the point where they, they don't believe anything anyone says to them because they've been let down so many times in repeated ways, okay? Don't think. Now, you may have been in a situation where the parents or caretakers around you were doing some really crazy things, hitting, slapping, yelling, abuse, uh, some type of abusive behavior. And they, and during or perhaps after, they would say it wasn't that bad or it didn't happen this way or don't, don't worry about it. And you knew something was crazy. You saw something was crazy that was happening, but you weren't able to even verbalize or express it because they told you to not think. You know, I see not thinking in other ways too, where perhaps you were struggling with dealing with another classmate and what you told your parent or your caretaker, whoever, and they said the best solution was just to avoid or ignore or just run away. And that basically shuts down your ability to problem solve. That comes into don't think as well. And then lastly, don't feel. This is especially true for those who have been either subject to verbal, physical, emotional abuse, and including neglect, where there was no safe space to share your thoughts or feelings without being shamed, blamed, insulted, or flat out physically assaulted. The don't feel comes to the point where the thing, the feelings that you have are just so immense and so overwhelming. Just even thinking about it can send you into a 
anxiety attack or overwhelm. So the best way is to not feel at all. You know, one of the things that I think about with some of the clients, I've uh, one particular client, I'll just call him Jed, because it just his 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 story just pops into my mind right now was that he drank, he was a recovering alcoholic, he drank because he did not want to be reminded at all about the mistakes that he made, or people criticize him. And the only time where the criticisms or making him feel upset, numbed away, went away was when he took a drink. And learning for him to embrace his feelings was very difficult because he grew up in a family where it was just practice that nobody shared their feelings on anything, good or bad. It's almost if that is that if everyone was a machine or robot that just went through the motions and never really wanted to express anything because if they did express it, they were either being criticized or yelled in some cases hit for expressing that. So this whole idea of don't trust, don't feel, and don't think is extremely potent for those of us who haven't been able to understand, oh my goodness, I can find I don't have the trust, but I can find trustworthiness in people. I can think, meaning that I can problem solve and be proactive and not just wait until everything just blows up. And I can feel my feelings while not being overwhelmed with them. When, if we haven't been taught how to deal with our emotions, our emotions have a deal, uh, have a way of overwhelming us. And this is what I want to do a part of our self-care conversation that we have, knowing yourself is understanding have you been lied to excessively? Where there are broken promises, where you're, there are times where people were telling you to deny what was happening right in front of your eyes, even though you knew it was crazy. But so many times that you've been told lies, you end up believing the lies that have been told to you about what people were doing and how people were treating you. Or lastly, were you told that feelings, expressing your feelings were scary? And that the best way was to cover it up with either shopping or food or drink or sex or work. That it was just too uncomfortable to deal with anything. You know, very, I just want to say one thing about the don't feel that's just on my mind. I remember one client told me that I hate the cards that I get from my parents. It was, I hate those cheesy cards. It's almost as if they thought that they thought that they could take the what random car they saw and said love dad or love mom and just use all the words it just seems so lazy and so inauthentic and i said perhaps that's the only way they can communicate with is using the borrowed words from somebody else that they don't even know how to express themselves in a very meaningful and intimate way perhaps intimacy scares them so much to the point where they just have to loan words from other people and so for so many of us who have been so afraid of intimacy, we just don't even know how to communicate properly. So I just wanted to say under the don't think area, if you have had struggles expressing yourself or communicating or having a conversation beyond just perfunctory, do this, go there, I don't want this, I don't want that, and not having those nuanced conversations, it's it's probably because you weren't able to either be, it wasn't modeled via the people around you, and therefore, it wasn't taught. You didn't know how to express because you can't give what you don't have. So I just wanted you to kind of give you some perspective about the don't think, don't feel, or don't trust paradigm. Okay. Now, let's kind of move on and talk about some other things because that was kind of heavy, just that conversation alone. For part of us and knowing ourselves, right, 
we have to know what's working for you. And the only way we can know what's working for us is if we monitor and track. And I know for some of us going, oh, more work journaling. Yes, I'm sorry, honey, we got to journal. And I'm not talking about journaling to the point where you have to write every single thing down. It could be literally having a sheet of paper where you write the action and then the result. I took a walk. I felt great. I journaled. I felt uncomfortable. And monitor how you feel over the course of time. Too many of us, we give up after a couple of weeks. But look, here's the thing. It takes 66 days on average to form and habit the New England Journal of Science and Medicine that came up with a, a finding, being, I think in the early 2000s, I talked about how long it takes to form a habit. We used to think of taking a, forming a habit was in the course of probably 20, 30 days, but in reality is 66 days. And the funniest thing about it is that it takes three days to start a habit and also takes three days to break a habit because think about it, ending something is changing a routine. So if give yourself some patience and the way to give yourself some patience is to not overly complicate things. So that's why I literally advise you to say, okay, today I took a, a bubble bath or I went for a walk or whatever feels good for you. I really want you to get a habit of journaling what you did and the result, because what happens is not only you're recording what's working well in your mind, right? You're also forming new neural pathways so that your mind can make an association with, okay, every time I'm doing this activity, I'm feeling good. It's reinforcing the idea like, wow, that's working great. That is helpful for me. And that's what Amazing Attitude does as well is that you're reinforcing positive ideas in your mind. So it takes it forms stickier so that you can actually start to understand and make clear associations with, okay, taking care of myself feels good to me. I want to do more of that. This feels awesome. That's really what I want for you. I want you to make those really strong associations because for so many of us, we become addicted to making ourselves feel like a pile of crap and not really understanding or knowing when things have become self-destructive. And especially for the, some of us who have been trained to think negatively, that negativity is just insidious and can cause so many different problems. You know, this is a great time for me to talk about Napoleon Hill's book, The Language of Thought. And I just want to read a little excerpt uh, from that because I think it's going to be really important. Okay. Your own mental attitude is your real boss. While your time and your labor may be subject to the demands of your employer and other others, your mind is the one thing that cannot be controlled by anyone but you. The thoughts you think, your attitude toward your job, and what you're willing to give in exchange for the compensation you are paid are entirely up to you. It is up to you to determine whether you'll be a slave to a negative attitude or the master of a positive one. Your attitude, your only master in life, is entirely within your control. When you control your attitude towards events, you can control the eventual implication of those events. And I'll translate this idea to your clients or your friends or your family, towards anyone for that matter. Too many of us say, oh, this person, their situation sucks, and therefore I'm going to have a foul attitude. Well, guess what happens when you have a foul attitude? You get more of what you give. 
And so when you're journaling positive things over and over and over, you're actually implanting in your mind like, okay, I want to stay on the things that give me pleasure, that give me focus and give me clarity so that I don't get discouraged, that so that I don't get dis- disheartened and understanding that ups and downs are just part of the co- part part for the course okay and that's why i really want to emphasize in journaling so much okay and what i also want to talk about is resisting the urge to be impulsive in your decisions and actions if we have been growing up in a drug addict alcoholic dysfunctional environments everything was flying by the seat of the pants you never knew what was going to happen next it was always seemed like a crisis there was always a hair on fire situation and there was no stability continuity predictability there was no sense of anything but chaos and for a lot of us if we grew up in this constant chaos we want to create unconsciously chaos we want to create situations before they get out of control and i want you to resist that urge to be impulsive because that triggers the chaos. So before you want to send off that email or give that person a, a, a talking or show them, what, show them how much you're right and they're wrong, I want you to pause and I want you to think clearly about what you're doing. And I want you to pause and think about the long-term repercussions from that. I will never forget one particular conversation I had with a client many, 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 many years ago. And it was when I was doing personal training. I still regret this conversation where I was more or less telling him to do certain things. And I knew, knew he wasn't ready for it. And I, and I remember saying to him at the conversation, you're not mad, are you? He was like, no, no, I'm not mad. He was mad. I saw him gritting his teeth and I saw him putting the pedal to the gas and just zooming away from um, my office at the time. And I, he, true to form, I never saw him ever again. And it was because I was so impulsive saying certain things that I knew he wasn't ready to receive. And so I don't want you to be impulsive. I want you to be sober-minded and I want you to really think things through. Because too many times we're just repeating the habits that we observe from other people that didn't work for them. And it's darn sure not going to work for us. Okay? So be sober-minded. Resist the desire to be impulsive. Okay? And the other thing I want to tell you lastly is to set yourself up for success. And the way you set yourself up for success is a being patient. Too many of us, especially in this, our day of technology, want things fast and instantaneous and changing our minds, changing our behaviors, changing our habits is not easy. You know, I remember hearing someone say something along the line that even this, it for every let's say month of trauma, it takes up to four times longer to recover from it. And it's not not it's not fun to hear something like that. What do you mean it takes up to four times longer from the, the time that you initially received the trauma? Well, think about things that happened to you in your teenage years. You may be in your 30s or 40s or 50s still being impacted by that, that stuff. Unless you do the work to rewire your brain, neuroplasticity, this, the idea of your brain is constantly healing and changing itself when exposed to different stimuli can help you understand that as long as you keep working at things that help you, like listening to this podcast, doing amazing attitude, doing all the work and not just being a passive person and actively being an active participant and 
doing of work of healing and restoration, you can be able to obviously accelerate the healing time. I'm not sitting here and say there's a four four times longer for everybody. It's four times longer on average if you are not aggressive at it. I'll just tell you that the fact. Because I mean, I think about even now I'm in my 40s and I'm now honestly doing some of the hard work that happened to me 20, 30 years ago. Okay. So I'm just going to be honest with you. Now, it's definitely gotten better. There's certain things that, depending on the intensity as well as the duration, can last some some damage can last for you the rest of your life. But you can learn how to deal with it. You can learn how to make your life work for you instead of just being overwhelmed by your life. Okay, And too many people are being held captive by things that have long since ex- gone decades ago. But you have a better way of living. You've got the tools. You know what you can be doing. And you don't have to sit here and just be a captive slave to everything that's going on around you. Look, here's the thing. Life is meant to teach you lessons. And the way to graduate from those lessons is your ability to respond to them appropriately. We're no longer going to react. We're going to be proactive. And that means doing the work so we understand who we are, how we were raised, how certain circumstances impact us at us. Okay. Let's recap everything that we've talked about. I talked about Claudia Black's book, It'll Never Happen to Me, and this idea of don't trust, we're exposed to broken promises. Don't think if you've been lied outright about what was happening right before your eyes, and don't feel where you felt there was no safe space to share your feelings or your concerns. And for a lot of us, that created a lot of resistance from wanting to understand ourselves, okay? But now we're going to be able to recognize where our power is, our power and be able to speak our our, our thoughts, right? Our, our ability to feel our feelings and our ability to make the decisions and act and not just be a part, passive participant in an insanity. We have the ability now. We've got, we're going to journal. We're going to know what works by monitoring what we're doing. It takes 66 days to form a habit. We need to be able to understand how our mind reacts to certain things. And we journal so we can create those new neural pathways so make association with taking care of ourselves and nurturing ourselves rather than blaming or shaming or criticizing or self-harming. Look, here's the thing. Also, when we're constantly blaming and criticizing other people, we're only just damaging ourselves, okay? We're going to resist the urge to be impulsive. Impulsive may be a familiar playbook where we are from our family of origin or whatever, but we don't do that anymore. We know that we're, we're going to be deliberate and decisive, and we're going to take our time to do certain things. We're going to think proactively instead of reactionary, okay? And lastly, we're going to set ourselves up for success by being patient. We need to understand that all of this takes time. Rome wasn't built in a, in a day, and darn sure not, it's not going to happen with, with respect with our recovery work. So that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Was there something that I said that really clicked in your mind? I would love to hear from you. Either send me a voicemail message, anchor.fm slash Denise T. Lee, or connect with me, info.deniseglee.com slash connect. Oh, you can also sign up to my free weekly mailing list. I drop them on Monday mornings. So check out info.connect.deniseglee.com. Okay. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast episode, please be sure to share with someone else. Well, take care and be awesome.